Chapter Sixteen of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Sixteen. The Ordeal by Battle. The chronicles of the small sword and pistol are pregnant with horrid and absurd illustrations of certain great moral facts. Let them pass. A duel, we all know, is conceived in the spirit of Punch and Judy, a farce of murder. Stern's gallant father expired, or near it, with the point of a small sword sticking out two feet between his shoulders all about a goose pie i often wondered what the precise quarrel was but these tragedies smell all over of goose pie why oh why brave captain stern as with saucy flashing knife and fork you sported with the outworks of that fated structure was there no augur at thine elbow with the shake of his wintry beard to warn thee that thy birds of fate thy fate sat vigilant under that festive mask of crust beware it is pandora's pie madman hold thy hand the knife's point that seems to thee about to glide through that pasty is palpably levelled at thine own windpipe but this time mephistopheles leaves the revellers to use their own cutlery and now the pie is open and now the birds begin to sing come along then to the fifteen acres and let us see what will come of it all that flanking demi-bastion of the magazine crandled for musketry commands with the aid of a couple of good field-glasses an excellent and sacred view of the arena on which the redoubted o'flaherty and the grim nutter were about to put their mettle to the proof general chatsworth who happened to have an appointment as he told his sister at breakfast in town about that hour forgot it just as he reached the magazine gave his bridle to the groom and stumped into the fortress where he had a biscuit and a glass of sherry in the commandant's little parlour and forth the two cronies sallied mysteriously side by side the commandant colonel bligh being remarkably tall slim and straight with an austere mulberry-coloured face the general stout and stumpy and smiling plentifully short of breath and double-chinned they got into the sanctum i have just mentioned i don't apologize to my readers english-born and bred for assuming them to be acquainted with the chief features of the phoenix park near dublin irish scenery is now as accessible as welsh let them study the old problem not in blue books but in the green and brown ones of our fields and heaths and mountains if ireland be no more than a great capability and a beautiful landscape faintly visible in the blue haze even from your own headlands and separated by hardly four hours of water and a ten shilling fare from your jetties it is your own shame not ours if a nation of bold speculators and indefatigable tourists leave it unexplored so i say from this coign of vantage looking westward 
over the broad green level toward the thin smoke that rose from the chapel is it chimneys lying so snugly in the lap of the hollow by the river the famous fifteen acres where so many heroes have measured swords and so many bullies have bit the dust was distinctly displayed in the near foreground you all know the artillery but well that was the centre of a circular enclosure containing just fifteen acres with broad entrances eastward and westward the old fellows knew very well where to look father roach was quite accidentally there reading his breviary when the hostile parties came upon the ground for except when an accident of this sort occurred or the troops were being drilled it was a sequestered spot enough and he forthwith joined them as usual to reconcile the dread debate somehow i think his arguments were not altogether judicious i don't ask particulars my dear i abominate all that concerns a quarrel but lieutenant o'flaherty jewel supposin the very worst supposin just for argument that he has horsewhipped you and who dar suppose it glared o'flaherty or we'll take it that he spit in your face honey well continued his reverence not choosing to hear the shocking ejaculations which this hypothesis wrung from the lieutenant what of that my darling think of the indignities insults and disgraces that the blessed saint martellus suffered without allowing anything worse to cross his lips than an ave mary or a smile in resignation order the priest off the ground sir said o'flaherty lividly to little puddock who was too busy with mr manny to hear him and roach had already transferred his pious offices to nutter who speedily flushed up and became to all appearances in his own way just as angry as o'flaherty lieutenant o'flaherty a word in your ear once more droned the mellow voice of father roach you're a young man my dear and here's lieutenant puddock by your side a young man too i'm as old my honeys as the two of you put together and i advise you for your good don't shed human blood don't even draw your swords don't my darlings don't be led or said by them army gentlemen that's always standin up for fightin because the ladies admire fightin men they'll call you cowards thrones, curs sneaks turn tails let them there's no standin this any longer puddock said o'flaherty incensed indescribably by the odious names which his reverence was hypothetically accumulating if you want to see the fightin father roach agape satanus murmured his reverence pettishly raising his plump blue chin and dropping his eyelids with a shake of the head and waving the back of his fat red hand gently towards the speaker in that case stay here and look your full and welcome only don't make a noise behave like a christian and howled your tongue 
but if you really hate fightin as you say having reached this point in his address but intending a good deal more o'flaherty suddenly stopped short drew himself into a stooping posture with a flush and a strange distortion and his eyes fastened upon father roach with an unearthly glare for nearly two minutes and seized puddock upon the upper part of his arm with so awful a grip in his great bony hand that the gallant little gentleman piped out in a flurry of anguish oh 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 o'flaherty thur let go my arm thur o'flaherty drew a deep breath uttered a short deep groan and wiping the moisture from his red forehead and resuming a perpendicular position was evidently trying to recover the lost thread of his discourse there's decidedly something the matter with you sir said puddock anxiously sotto voce while he worked his injured arms a little at the shoulder you may say that said o'flaherty very dismally and perhaps a little bitterly and 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 you don't mean to say why eh asked puddock uneasily i tell you what puddock there's no use in pretendin the poison's workin that's what's the matter returned poor o'flaherty in what romance writers call a hissing whisper good merciful gracious sir ejaculated poor little puddock in a panic and gazing up into the brawny fire-worker's face with a pallid fascination indeed they both looked unpleasantly unlike the popular conception of heroes on the eve of battle but but it can't be you forgot dr stirk and oh dear the antidote it i say it can't be thur said puddock rapidly it's no use now but i shirked two or three spoonfuls and i left some more in the bottom said the gigantic o'flaherty with a gloomy sheepishness puddock made an ejaculation the only violent one recorded of him and turning his back briskly upon his principal actually walked several steps away as if he intended to cut the whole concern but such a measure was really not to be thought of o'flaherty lieutenant i won't reproach you began puddock reproach me and who poisoned me my tight little fellow retorted the fireworker savagely puddock could only look at him and then said quite meekly well and my dear thur what on earth had we better do do said o'flaherty why isn't it completely hobson's choice with us what can we do but go through with it the fact is i may as well mention lest the sensitive reader should be concerned for the gallant o'flaherty that the poison had very little to do with it and the antidote a great deal in fact it was a reckless compound conceived in a cynical and angry spirit by stirk and as the fireworker afterwards declared while expressing in excited language his wonder how puddock for he never suspected stirk's elixir had contrived to compound such a poison the torture was such my dear madam 
has fairly translated me into the purlieus of the other world nutter had already put off his coat and waistcoat and appeared in a neat little black lute-string vest with sleeves to it which the elder officers of the ria remembered well in bygone fencing matches tis a most miserable situation said puttock in extreme distress never mind groaned o'flaherty grimly taking off his coat you'll have two corpses to carry home with you don't you show the last taste of an aisiness and i'll not disgrace you if i'm spared to see it out and now preliminaries were quite adjusted and nutter light and wiry a good swordsman though not young stepped out with his vicious weapon in hand and his eyes looking white and stony out of his dark face a word or two to his armor-bearer and a rapid gesture right and left and that magnificent squire spoke low to two or three of the surrounding officers who forthwith bestirred themselves to keep back the crowd and as it were to keep the ring unbroken o'flaherty took his sword got his hand well into the hilt poised the blade shook himself up as it were and made a feint or two and a parry in the air and so began to advance like goliath towards little nutter now puttock back him up encourage your man said devereux who took a perverse pleasure in joking tell him to flay the lump splat him divide him and cut him into two pieces it was a custom of the corps to quiz puttock about his cookery but puttock i suppose did not hear his last night's receipt quoted and he kept his eye upon his man who had now got nearly within fencing distance of his adversary but at this critical moment o'flaherty much to puttock's disgust suddenly stopped and got into the old stooping posture making an appalling grimace in what looked like an endeavour to swallow not only his upper lip but his chin also uttering a quivering groan he continued to stoop nearer to the earth on which he finally actually sat down and hugged his knees close to his chest holding his breath all the time till he was perfectly purple and rocking himself this way and that the whole procedure was a mystery to everybody except the guilty puttock who changed colour and in manifest perturbation skipped to his side bless me bless me my dear o'flaherty he's very ill where is the pain is it farce pain puttock or gammon pain asked devereux with much concern puttock's plump panic-stricken little face and staring eyeballs were approached close to the writhing features of his redoubted principal as i think i have seen honest sancho panza's in one of tony Jehanet's sketches to that of the prostrate knight of the rueful countenance i wish to heaven i'd followed it myself it's dreadful what it's to be are you ethier i think you're ethier i don't think o'flaherty heard him he only hugged his knees tighter and slowly turned up his face 
wrung into ten thousand horrid puckers to the sky till his chin stood as high as his forehead with his teeth and eyes shut and he uttered a sound like a half-stifled screech and indeed looked very black and horrible some of the spectators rear-rank men having but an imperfect view of the transaction thought that o'flaherty had been hideously run through the body by his solemn opponent and swelled the general chorus of counsel and ejaculation by altogether advising cobwebs ground paper plugs clergymen brandy and the like but as none of these comforts were at hand and nobody stirred o'flaherty was left to the resources of nature puttick threw his cocked hat upon the ground and stamped in a momentary frenzy heath dying devereux clough heath i tell you heath dying and he was on the point of declaring himself o'flaherty's murderer and surrendering himself as such into the hands of anybody who would accept the custody of his person when the recollection of his official position as poor o'flaherty's second flashed upon him and collecting with a grand effort his wits and his graces if totally impossible gentlemen he said with his most ceremonious bow considering the awful condition of my principal i i have reason to fear in fact i know dr turk hath seen him that he's under the action of poison and it's quite impracticable gentlemen that this affair of honour can proceed at present and puttick drew himself up peremptorily and replaced his hat which somebody had slipped into his hand upon his round powdered head mr mahony though a magnificent gentleman was perhaps a little stupid and he mistook puttick's agitation and thought he was in a passion and disposed to be offensive he therefore with a marked and stern sort of elegance replied pison sir is a remarkable strong alphabet its language sir which if a gentleman uses at all he's bound in justice in chivalry and in decency to a generous adversary to define with precision mr nutter is too well known to the best of society moving in a circle as he does to require the panegyric of humble me they drank together last night they differed in opinion that's true but fourteen clear hours has expired and poison being mentioned why body o me sir lisp puttick in fierce horror can you imagine for one moment sir that i or any man living could suppose for an instant that my respected friend mr nutter to whom a low bow to nutter returned by that gentleman i have now the misfortune to be opposed is capable capable sir of poisoning any living being man woman or child and to put an end sir at once to all misapprehension upon this point it was i i sir myself who poisoned him altogether accidentally of course by a valuable but mismanaged receipt this morning sir you you see mr nutter nutter balked of this gentlemanlike satisfaction stared with a horrified but somewhat foolish countenance from puttick to o'flaherty
and now thir pursued puddock addressing himself to mr manny if mr nutter desires to postpone the combat i consent if not i offer myself to maintain it instead of my principal and he made another low bow and stood bareheaded hat in hand with his right hand on his sword hilt upon my honour captain puddock it's precisely what i was going to propose myself sir said manny with great alacrity as the only way left of getting honourably out of the great embarrassment in which we are placed by the premature death struggles of your friend for nothing mr puddock but being bona fide in articulo mortis can palliate his conduct my dear puddock whispered devereux in his ear surely you would not kill nutter to oblige two such brutes as these indicating by a glance nutter's splendid second and the magnanimous o'flaherty who was still sitting speechless upon the ground captain puddock pursued the mirror of courtesy mr patrick manny of muckafuddle who by the way persisted in giving him his captaincy may i inquire who's your friend upon this unexpected turn of affairs there's no need sir said nutter dryly and stoutly i would not hurt a hair of your head lieutenant puddock do you hear him panted o'flaherty for the first time articulate and stung by the unfortunate phrase it seemed fated that nutter should not open his lips without making some allusion to human hair do you hear him puddock mr nutter he spoke with great difficulty and in jerks sir mr nutter you shall ah uh, you shall render a strict a cow owl oh um uh. the sound was smothered under his compressed lips his face wrung itself again crimson with a hideous squeeze and puddock thought the moment of his dissolution was come and almost wished it over don't try to speak pray sir don't there there now urged puddock distractedly but the injunction was unnecessary mr nutter said his second sulkily i don't see anything to satisfy your outraged honour in the curious spectacle of that gentleman sitting on the ground making faces we came here not to trifle but as i conceive to dispatch business sir to dispatch that unfortunate gentleman you mean and that seems pretty well done to your hand said little dr toole bustling up from the coach where his instruments lint and plasters were deposited what's it all eh oh dr stirk's been with him eh oh ho 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 and he laughed sarcastically in an undertone and shrugged as he stooped down and took o'flaherty's pulse in his fingers and thumb i tell you what mr eh uh, 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 sir said nutter with a very dangerous look i have had the honour of knowing lieutenant puddock since august seventeen fifty six i won't hurt him for i like and respect him but if fight i must i'll fight you sir since august seventeen fifty six repeated mr manny with prompt surprise who why didn't you mention that before why sir he's an old friend 
and you could not pleasantly ask him to volunteer to bear his weapon against the bosom of his friend no sir chivalry is the handmaid of christian charity and honor walks hand in hand with the human heart with this noble sentiment he bowed and shook nutter's cold hard hand and then puddock's plump little white paw you are not to suppose that pat mahony of muckafuddle was a poltroon on the contrary he had fought several shocking duels and displayed a remarkable amount of savagery and coolness but having made a character he was satisfied therewith they may talk of fighting for the fun of it liking it delighting in it don't believe a word of it we all hate it and the hero is only he who hates it least oh i can't take it any longer take me out of this some of you said o'flaherty wiping the damp from his red face i don't think there's ten minutes life in me de profundis conclamavi murmured fat father roach lean on me sir and me said little tool for the benefit of your poor soul my honey just say you forgive mr nutter before you leave the field said the priest quite sincerely anything at all father roach replied the sufferer only don't bother me you forgive him then arun said the priest ach father forgive him to be sure i do that's supposing mind i don't recover but if i do ach paceable paceable my son said father roach patting his arm and soothing him with his voice it was the phrase he used to address to his nag brian o'lynn when brian had too much oats and was disagreeably playful nonsense now can't you be paceable paceable my son there now paceable paceable upon his two supporters and followed by his little second this towering sufferer was helped and tumbled into the coach into which puddock tool and the priest who was curious to see o'flaherty's last moments all followed and they drove at a wild canter for the coachman was hearty over the green grass and toward chapel is it though tool broke the check-string without producing any effect down the hill quite frightfully and were all within an ace of being capsized but ultimately they reached in various states of mind but safely enough o'flaherty's lodgings here the gigantic invalid who had suffered another paroxysm on the way was slowly assisted to the ground by his awestruck and curious friends and entered the house with a groan and roared for judy carroll with a curse and invoked jerome the cocang modate with horrible vociferation and as among the hushed exhortations of the good priest tool and puddock he mounted the stairs he took occasion over the banister in stentorian tones to proclaim to the household his own awful situation and the imminent approach of the moment of his dissolution End of chapter 16 recording by john brandon